Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is November 19th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. And welcome back to the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky, and this week on Bruins Beat, I had on my good friend, CBS Sports' own Pete Blackburn, rejoining the show uh, to talk all things Bruins. We get into Charlie McAvoy, Charlie Coyle, the two Charlies doing great things for the Bruins. Bruins starting to maybe find it here a little bit. And then we get into an interesting Hall of Fame discussion regarding a few of the Bruins players because the Hall of Fame game was Friday night against the Maple Leafs. So kind of makes you think who's making the Hall of Fame, who isn't. I I thought it was a really good conversation. Uh, And then because Pete covers the whole league, uh, we get into talking about the rest of the Atlantic Division, which is full of triumphs and a lot of dumpster fires. One of those teams I think you'll really find funny that they're kind of imploding as we speak. But at any rate, uh, before we get into the conversation, I want to tell you about my good friends over at betonline.ag. They're more than just some online betting platform. There's a lot of them out there, but none are quite like betonline.ag. Their approach is to focus on you, the player, and they built their incredible reputation on offering you nothing but the best from cutting-edge technology to enticing promotions. And the latest sports betting odds, they have it all they're famous for their sports book where there are live lines on all major sporting events across all the major sports including the nhl their live betting feature allows you to bet on your favorites quick and easy and in real time i'm telling you something guys they literally have everything you need to bet if you'd like to bet on nhl games especially the bruins uh, or any of your other favorite sports for that matter the nba is going on the nfl it's kind of prime time to bet right now Use my personal promo code CLNS50 at clnsmedia.com backslash NHL Bruins to get 50% cash back on your first deposit. Again, promo code CLNS50 at clnsmedia.com backslash NHL Bruins. If you guys like to keep this podcast free, which I hope and imagine you would, go there and take advantage of this great opportunity. That's betonline.ag. All right, so without further ado, here's my conversation with Pete Blackburn. And we're here with Pete Blackburn. Pete, what is up? Not too much. Uh, happy to be back. Thanks for having me. Oh, anytime, anytime. You're always welcome on this podcast. It feels like it's been a long time uh, since you've been on, but really it's only been since when? Like beginning of October? Yeah, I feel like for like a uh, a while there, it felt like there was like a stretch where I was kind of on like every week. It felt like I was the co-host yes. of this podcast. And so <laughs> been, it's, it's been a couple of weeks, so it feels like it's been forever. For yeah, no, for like a good stretch of time, I think it was like end of September, early October. You were basically the co-host of this podcast, so uh, <laughs> now you're back. It. Happy yeah, to be same. back. Um, so a lot of things have happened. Uh, a lot of things happened uh, this week with the Bruins, and I want to start. Uh, we'll start 
with some developments and then we'll get into more fun conversations, I think, later on. So Charlie McAvoy looking better because he was not looking great to start the year. He, I, I, he had, you know, a low amount of points to start the season. I think it was like four in the first 17 games or whatnot. And this weekend, this past weekend, Friday against the Leafs, Saturday against the Caps, looked pretty good and looked even better against the Ovechkin line uh, on Saturday night. What do you think? Yeah, I think that he's, he's coming along. I think that, uh, you know, the team, it, you know, had that little uh, bump in the road. But overall, there's been not too much to complain about. And I remember, you know, a few weeks ago, you had, or however long it was, so the last time that I was on, you had mentioned that, you know, you thought that some of the young guys on on D, like Carlo and, and McAvoy, hadn't looked that great. Um, I think McAvoy's come along pretty well. Uh, maybe that, maybe he just needed his, his uh, tooth to get chipped. And and find a find a little magic in in his game, but I think that he's looked fine. Yeah, I mean, I think that he's a guy that they need on offense. They need his offensive production, especially right now with Krug out. Right. Um. And and he looked more confident with it on Saturday night against the Capitals, which is the last team I would think anybody would look more confident in than normal against the Capitals of all teams. Right. But he looked good. There were a lot. There were a lot of chances that he set up in front of the net that weren't converted. Um, and you know, obviously there were some that were, um, so I look at a guy like him. I look at a guy like Grizzlick. Matt Grizzlick. I was going to say, I was going to say, you know, who else has looked really good, uh, you know, from that, that quarterback point. And I know I've had my doubts about his ability to do it because everybody compares Matt Grizzlick to Tory Krug just because of their size. They played very different games, but I've, I've been impressed from what I've seen from Matt Grizzlick, uh, while, while quarterbacking that, that point on the power play. And, um, he's filled in really nicely. Yeah, and it's so funny you mentioned this. Fluto had a piece in The Athletic today uh, regarding, you know, the headline was, Life After Troy Krug, Matt Grizzlick Gives the Bruins Options. And it's tough because they are different players. They're, they are, at, at their core, they're different. The only real similarities between them is they're both 5'9", they're both small, puck-moving defensemen, but they're very different. You know, mm-hmm. Krug does not shy away from contact. He goes against the other team's biggest guys a lot of the times. Um, you know, just power, power, power. Grizzlick is a guy, you know, emphasis on the puck control, um, is solid in his own zone, but definitely needs a little bit more time there. Uh, great at zone entries. I know this is so like nerdy, but he really is. I mean, he is, he's, he is, yeah. he's tremendous at it. He's a, he's um, a big, uh, he's like a big analytics, uh, like he's very favorable to the people in the analytics community. I know that they like him a lot. Yes. Yes. He, he is like the mayor of clean zone entries and yes. it's just you know it, the analytics community loses its mind i don't know if i'm in the analytics community yet I, I don't tweet a lot about it i mean like i always compare myself like oh my analytics is connor ryan and connor's always like no because there's people who are more analytics than i am so i'm like <laughs> I, I don't yeah know. I'm not, I, I have like a toe in those waters i think that it, it adds value it, it's uh it complements some of the you know the eye test stuff and and what you see just by watching the game and, and breaking it down traditionally. But I, I, I get mad when people like write off analytics completely. I think that it shouldn't be the end all be all uh, and neither should the eye test because I think that those two things can work very well together in harmony. So that's kind of where I approach it from, but yeah, the analytics community really likes Mac Grizzly. Yes. A perfect combination is the eye test and analytics. If you can just meet in the middle there, you satisfy everybody. Did you see um, Kevin Paul DuPont's tweet? about Don Cherry analytics thing. Did you see this? 
I did, but um, it's one of the few Kevin Paul Dupont tweets that I see because he has blocked me on Twitter for like the last six. He years. blocked you? Oh yeah, for very good reason. I uh, I photoshopped his face onto a dinosaur like six years ago, and I tweeted oh, it at him, and uh, and he blocked me on Twitter. So uh, I never got the unblock, but I did see that that tweet was so bad that it went viral and sort of got passed around hockey Twitter via screenshots and things like that. So I ended up seeing it. Very bad tweet. <laughs> I would love to see that dinosaur uh, with his face on it. That is hysterical. His, for anybody that missed it, his tweet was basically like, sure, John Cherry got fired for, for racism and, and xenophobia or whatever you want to call it. But you know what would be worse? Hiring analytics guy to replace him. <laughs> <laughs> that was basically what he tweeted. Only thing worse than racism is analytics. Let's be, yes. let's, let's be real. That's only thing worse. Analytics. Um, that was hysterical. That whole fall, the, the, that tweet and just like getting completely ratioed. I mean, that oh, was yeah. just like, okay, boomer. Um, but it was, that was, uh, that was something else. But back to Grizzly, cause we were talking about, uh, Matt Grizzly. Fluto brings this up today saying, you know, how though the points might not be there right now on the top power plane with Grizzly filling in, he's still been really good. It's still, you know, the, 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 the chances are there. The puck movement's there. And it's looking more and more like if Krug were to leave after the season. Now, he wants to stay. The Bruins want him to stay. But the rumor is he could make, like, millions, like, millions more on the free agent open market. And that's – I don't think anybody doubts that. I mean, there are teams that I think would kill for Tory Krug. There's so many teams, I feel like, that are, like, a power play quarterback away from Stanley Cup contention. Well, it's, it's, and, it's like a very, it's, I don't want to say it's like a franchise quarterback or whatever, but it is an extremely, uh, valuable piece to have in the NHL. And they're, they're becoming more popular, but it is hard to get your hands on a very good power play quarterback. And I think Tory Krug's in that elite category. Yeah. And so I think Grizzly is showing signs that he's heading that way. I mean, I don't think he'll ever be the power play quarterback Tory Krug is, but everyone else in that power play is good enough that, Worst came to worst, like they could sustain themselves with Grizzly um, as the power play quarterback. Also, McAvoy, you have to think about that too. Um, I think Grizzly though is kind of more assumed to be that guy. Yeah, I mean That's- it's it's tough. It's a tough situation to be in. But you obviously you with especially with the Tory Krug situation um, and impending free agency, uh, you you like the steps that Matt Grizzly has taken and and how. Uh, he's sort of progressing into being a promising guy in that role. Um, again, I, I agree with you. I don't think that he's, he's ever going to fill the, the shoes that Tory Krug live, uh, leaves, whether, whether it's now or in the future, but, uh, you know, progress is, is, uh, is a good sign and he's, he's been better there than I expected him to be, which is nice. Speaking of people who've been better in places that than we expected, uh, Charlie Coyle, he's starting to find it. This guy, Charlie Coyle, they, they put him up in the second line uh, with Krejci and, and, and Bjork. And thus far, I mean, he had the pass from Heine the other night, so he's not really on, you know, he's on the third line there. But five points in four games. Is this Coyle starting to find it? I mean, he's, he's, he's always been known as an inconsistent player. Is this it? Is this the guy that we're kind of expecting? What's going on here? 
Yeah, well, so I, it's tough for me to, like, fully grade Charlie Coyle right now because he's been tossed in between, you know, the middle and the right side. And I think that he's he's definitely better down the middle. There's no question about that. And, you know, it, it might be a little uncomfortable uncomfortable for him to play on that right side. It it's just seems like he's not fully at home. And I, I think that uh, we saw it in one of those earlier games during the losing streak where he, he just wasn't shooting the puck and he had opportunities. And I think he might have gotten chewed out after that, like, because there was a real sense, like, holy shit, dude, just shoot the puck. And we've seen since that moment that, like, he's putting pucks on net when he gets the chance. Um, and it's leading pr- to production. So maybe he just really kind of needed that little kick in the butt. Um, but I do, I do think that in an ideal world, in an ideal scenario, you have him down the middle. Um, but obviously their, their hands are kind of tied, uh, with how many bodies that they've lost, especially on their right side. So, um, yeah, I mean, the fact that he's producing is, is very nice. And, you know, as long as, as long as he's producing, whether it's on the right side, whether it's down the middle, I think Charlie Coyle is a really good player. And he, he, even if he's not putting up numbers, he has proven to be a guy that will bring it for you on a nightly basis. And like the, Charlie Coyle, I think the biggest knock on him in Minnesota, because I've talked to a bunch of people from Minnesota and they were like, he's just so inconsistent. And like, he's very frustrating because he has the talent. And sometimes it just seems like he's, he's just like not really realizing it. Um, and I think that a lot of that has to do with like, he just, he wasn't shooting the puck in Minnesota and things like that. And we're, we're seeing a taste of that now, but I like Charlie Coyle because you, you, you know, at least what you're getting from him on a baseline on any given night. He just plays hard, and he he doesn't make a lot of mistakes, which is nice. Yeah, the future of him, I think, is down the middle. I don't think it's on the wing. They still got to figure that out. Um, but right now, it feels like Coyle is uh, is just kind of finding it, and that's sort of yeah. what the Bruins need. Uh, before we get into it, um, you know, hiring can be kind of a slow process. Oh, I sure do. You know, hiring can be a slow process, and Capital is a CEO. You've hired lots. You have I've hired. Um, I've army. hired thousands of people. That, literally thousands. You told me that you right now have like a hundred people working in your in, in your living room right now. Am I correct? Yes, I was actually late for the podcast. Uh, my fault because I was just hiring scores of people to work for my uh, Pete Blackburn Industrial brand, Vandalay Industries. You you yeah. used uh, ZipRecruiter, correct? I sure did. It's the best the well, best re- uh, hiring tool on the market. It, it's the best. And, and let me tell you, uh, about somebody else who used a recruiter, uh, incredibly well. Uh, Cafe Altura COO, Dylan Miskowitz. He needed to hire a, a director of coffee for his organic coffee company, but he was having trouble finding qualified candidates. So he switched to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. So you get qualified candidates fast. This is what happened to you too, which I think is kind of funny. Oh, yeah. uh, Dylan posted his job on ZipRecruiter and said he was impressed by how quickly he got great candidates. He also used ZipRecruiter's candidates rating feature to filter his applicants so he could focus on the most relevant ones. And that's how Dylan found his new director of coffee in just a few days. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash BostonBeat. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash B-O-S-T-O-N-B-E-A-T. ZipRecruiter.com slash BostonBeat. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Okay. So 
my fun conversation I wanted to have with you because I think you'd have a good, you'd have a good perspective on this. Uh, Friday night against the Leafs, which we'll get to later, the Maple Leafs okay. in general, we'll get to later, which we're saving the bullets on that. Um, was the Hall of Fame game. Bruins won four to two. Marshan scores two goals. Joe McDonald has a piece. Um, questioning, I thought a legitimate question. Is Brad Marchand a Hall of Famer? Is Brad Marchand a Hall of Famer? Because I would say on the Bruins right now, Chara and Bergeron are definites to get in. After yep. that, it's sort of murky. Poshnok has not played nearly long enough to really even comment. I mean, my guess is he's going to be a prolific scorer and probably yes. Marshawn, though, let me read you Marshawn's stats. 701 games played, 275 goals, 316 assists. 591 points since 2016-17 he's averaged over a point per game he's 31 right now obviously he's dead smack in the prime of his career do you think Marshawn gets in uh like I I don't feel super qualified to like have an opinion on these things like I never know where to stand because I don't have like the full grasp but just like from a Bruins fan perspective and just my own dumb head I mean Probably not, right? So, like, it doesn't seem that likely. He doesn't have the gaudy numbers. He doesn't have the awards. He hasn't been, like, the the bona fide star of the Bruins for, for like, a decade or whatever. Like, he's, he's, like, second fiddle here now. And then, you, obviously, if you throw in, like, the narratives around Brad Marchand and like the, the dirty player aspect and stuff. I don't know how much that factors into the hall of fame discussion, but it just seems unlikely. Like he, he's like a Bruins hall of famer, but he is he a hockey hall of famer. I think it's probably unlikely unless he puts up another 10 years of just like ridiculous numbers. See, I'm with you. I, I don't really know the threshold for it. It's very like confusing to me. But, but I think there is a case to be made. I think there's a small case because he has 591 points in 701 games. He looks like he's trending upwards for sure in points. He had 100 last year, 85 the uh, two years before. Um, he's on that line with Bergeron and Pasternak right now. His stats are only feels like only going to go up if he gets five or six more years of this. Now, granted, at the end of that, he'll be 37. So I don't know if the production continues then, but. I kind of feel like at the end of his career, he's going to be, he'll definitely be a bubble guy. He's not going to be a definite, but I think he kind of has the, he might have the case for it. The only thing stopping him though, is the dirty player, people not liking him. So I don't know. I, but I just, I don't know. There's a little case for him. There's a little case. And do you think there's anybody else in the Bruins who could possibly get in aside from Bertrand Achara and Martian? Uh, I mean, like right now it's, it's too early and stuff like for the younger guys, but you know, as far as the veteran group, probably not. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think so. Like, I don't know, like what Tuka's chances are. Um, like goalies are very, like it's rarely, it's, it seems in. like, yeah, it seems like goalies never really get in. Um, like even like you have to be like the elitist of the elite goalies to get oh, into yeah. the, to the hall of fame, which is, Kind of wild. Um, but yeah, I don't know because I'm looking at like the active points leader list right now. Uh, and there are a lot of guys that are, are, are in front of Marshand, obviously. Like he's got 591, but there are guys that are ahead of him. Like Jamie Ben has, uh, almost close to like a hundred more points than him and they entered the league at the same time. Um, 
see. What's I tough mean, with Marshawn is his like, first all these guys years. aren't going to get in. There's so many names on here, and it's just like all these guys aren't going to get in. So, I, and Marshawn doesn't. I mean, he's a really good two way player and stuff, but he doesn't have the selkies. He doesn't have the, the MVPs and, and things like that. So. It just seems like there's not a lot that jumps off a page about Brad Marshand in terms of a Hall of Fame candidacy. When you talk about second fiddle, though, do you think a guy like Evgeny Malkin gets in? I mean, I think that he should. Like, he's Evgeny Malkin. Was he on the uh, top 100 players list? I know there was, like, some discussion about whether he, uh, like, should have been. But Evgeny Malkin, I I mean, he's second fiddle, but, like, it's a second fiddle where had he gone, had he been anywhere else, he would have been the top line center and just been like the star of that team and gotten so much more. I think it's that sort of second fiddle. I, I don't know if Brad Marchand is that sort of second fiddle because you put Brad Marchand on any other team, he might have, he might have lesser numbers like playing away from Bergeron. And like he, he's, I don't think that he's necessarily more of a star if you take him away from the Bruins. Yeah, I just I think there somehow some way he's going to have a small case for it. You mentioned goalies. Off the top of my head, I don't have the stats in front of me right now. It doesn't feel like there's any elitist of elite goalies in the league right now that would that would have a candidacy or have a case for the Hall of Fame at least. Like off the top of my head, I, maybe, maybe, maybe he has him. a cup, and I don't know that that'll probably be held against him. Um, yeah, I mean like. They're, they're like the, the number of truly elite goalies in the league right now seem like they're pretty, it's pretty low. Like I, I think John Gibson is the best goalie in the league. And, um, beyond that, I mean, what, I don't know what Carey Price's career, career numbers look like, but, uh, but he, he doesn't some, have the copy uh, either. So <laughs> I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's there might be no no goalie in the league right now that hits the Hall of Fame, but I think that if there is one, Henrik Lundqvist probably has the best shot. Yeah, that's that really is it. I mean, like, like longevity. I mean, do you think Tuca has even a slight chance? Like, I don't think he really. Tuca's does. career numbers are like collectively really good, but I I don't think that his number. I don't think they like they're really truly elite among like Hall of fame numbers so probably not and the other thing is with goalies now having limited workloads like now it's the cool thing to have a two goalie tandem right guys are going to play less and less and the position is going to become more less not as important as it used to be i mean guys like hashik and brodor carried their teams carried them does that uh does that make sort of like a hall of fame career more or less likely because you're going to have guys who might last longer and they might be better throughout an entire season if their workload is managed and their bodies are managed and things like that. And that's when the cups really come into play. I think when judging a goalie, uh, whether or not that they're a hall of fame. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's unfair to, to hold like a lack of cups against players. Um, for the most part. And I think that it's true for goalies too, but like there's more of a weight to that argument when you're talking about a goalie, because they're on the ice 60 minutes a night and like they're the last line of defense. And we've seen it plenty of times before that like a goalie can really help a team put, Oh yeah. Put a team on his back on a strong playoff run. Like the, the Bruins, I mean, they don't make, they don't win that Stanley Cup if it's not for Tim Thomas. So uh, there's more of a weight to the argument uh, 
with the cup discussion with a goalie as to like a regular skater. But I still, it's, it's hard to say like, oh, Henrik Lundqvist sucks. He doesn't have a cup. It's like, well, look at the defenses that played in front of that guy and look what he was able to accomplish despite that. So it's still not yeah. the end all be all. Yeah, that's really it. Speaking though of teams not having great defenses, the Toronto Maple Leafs. And now it's yeah. not even just their defense. It's not even just their defense. They have become a perimeter offense. They generate all their shots from the perimeter. They have sucked of recent. Like they've been, they've been bad. really bad. And I know that there's been a ton of criticism about their defense over the past like handful of years, but this, this might be as bad as I've ever seen that D look. And, and like they look completely uninspired top to bottom they just they seem dejected they seem completely lost on the ice like this this maple leafs team is as bad at defending the slot as i've seen in a, in a long time it oh, is just those marshawn goals it's it's crazy they just it's a very simple thing you would imagine to just protect the area in front of the net like just Stay at exactly. home. If if anything, if if nothing else, just hold your guys there, and they're not doing it. They're chasing the puck all over the place, um, and it's it's just a mess. They look completely irresponsible, and it's it's led to just an absolutely atrocious start to the season that honestly only seems to be getting worse. I was a defenseman when I played hockey, and let me tell you, the whole goal is when the puck is loose in front of the net, you find a guy. You hold him, you grab his stick, you don't let him get a, uh, anything at the puck. You look at the Maple Leafs in front of that net, going at Marshawn, it's just swinging their sticks at the puck. <laughs> and Marshawn's just going right around him. It's unbelievable. They can't defend the slot. On top of that, on top of their horrible defense, Tyson Berry, it's rumored to be he wants out. Like the guy who I predicted would go in and, and you know be their guy on defense, compliment Morgan Riley really well has been awful and hates it there. Hates Toronto. And I know that Elliot Friedman said he he uh reportedly doesn't want to be traded. People have told James Myrtle that he that he does want to be traded. I mean, it's so bad. And I know this is a Bruins podcast, but the Maple Leafs have become a real part of the Bruins world, so I feel like we like we can dedicate 10 minutes to the oh, Maple yeah. Leafs. Um absolutely. And and uh their past 5 games they've they've lost uh, one, two, three, four, five. One was a shootout loss, so congrats, you got one point. And they're just—it's <laughs> not working. And what makes me think is Mike Babcock's days are numbered. They—they they have, have to be. be. They have to be. Like, there's way too much talent on that team for it to be this bad. And it's just like the the utilization for Babcock has been questioned for years. I mean, we saw what happened in Game Seven uh, of the first round series last year. Like, you're just not playing your best players. Uh, there's been rumors that, that Matthews and, and Babcock don't get along. Now, uh, he's just, com- it seems like he's completely lost. Like I said, they look very uninspired and it's just spiraling out of control there. I, I think that he's the first place that you have to look. Um, and I do believe that it, his days have to be numbered because it's getting really embarrassing and there's just too much talent there, obviously. So, um, their window is short as it is. So if you're, if you're squandering away the season, you have to make a move and you, you look at what happened last year with the St. Louis blues, they fire their coach, um, get him out of there. Obviously Mike Yo and Mike Babcock are two very different, 
coaches in terms of how they're held in oh, yes. uh, high esteem. But um, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's important um, for them to get things back on track uh, as quickly as possible. And if you have to fire Babcock, then it's, I think that's a solid place to start. The Tyson Berry stuff is pretty shocking because I love Tyson Berry. I think that he's a really good player. Uh, he hasn't looked good in that system in the way that they're, they're throwing him out there. And I, I wouldn't blame him, honestly, uh, if he wanted to get traded because you know what? That dude's hitting free agency after this year. So like, yeah, if things continue exactly. to spiral out of control, like he's taking money out of his own pocket. So I certainly don't blame him if, if he wanted to get out, especially if he doesn't, if he hates it in that market, uh, and he doesn't want to stay there, then why not ask for a trade? Because you're not staying there anyway beyond this season. You're only losing money. So uh, that would be a nightmare if, if, he, if he asked out and, uh, you know, he's, he's looked bad and, and, and I feel bad for him because I really like the guy. And obviously he has to look across the conference and look at where the Colorado Avalanche are and they're thriving and they're thriving I without know. him. And Kale McCarr looks great. And so it's got to be a tough situation for that guy to be in. And I feel for him. Yeah. No goals, six assists. And I know I never like really care about, it. I know it's looked so down upon, but he's a minus 10. I mean, like, just things aren't working at all. And if he left the Leafs, then you basically traded Kadri for Kerfoot. Yeah. Not great. No. Nope. Not great at all. And right now the Atlantic Division is weird. So you have the Bruins in first with 29 points, Canadians in second with 26, Panthers in third with 25th. By the way, Canadians were one of the teams you picked to be really good this year. And so far they've been good. They've been fine. And then Fourth are the Sabres, who have just imploded of late. I mean, this is just another November for them. Um, I think they've lost eight of their last nine games, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and they have, I mean, I know it gets lost in the Atlantic Division woes because of the Leafs right now. But, oh, this team, again, is imploding. This is incredible. This happens second straight year. Just like the Leafs, I feel like they need some real veteran leadership on that team. Both teams younger captains. I mean, I know that Tavares has been around for a long time, but sort of young. And it's just those two teams, man, it's really not working out at all. Right. Uh, so you mentioned uh, the, the minus, the minus 10 thing. Uh, so I just looked it up real quick. Guess who the, uh, the Leafs three worst players are in terms of goals for percentage at five on five. I'll give you a hint. It's a, it's a really bad three players to have as your worst players uh, in terms of goals for percentage. I am going to take, I'm going to take, I'm going to guess Barry. Nope. He's third. No. Okay. He's okay. third. The other two I'm going to guess forwards. Mitch Marner. Mitch Marner's second. The other, the number and one is, guess... is a forward. Oh my goodness. I am going to take a guess at, is it William Nylander? It is, it's John Tavares. John Tavares, Mitch Marner, and Tyson Berry are your worst three players, uh, that are over 200 minutes, uh, at goals for percentage at five on five. John Tavares is a 30% goals for percentage. Mitch Marner has a 30.4 percentage and Tyson Berry has a 32.3 goals for percentage. So that's, those are your two best defense forwards or the two guys that are considered to be your two best defensive forwards and your top pairing defenseman that you just traded for uh, in the off season, <laughs> your, your worst three players in terms of goals for percentage. That is quite bad. That's a, that's terrible. It's that's awful. so bad. That team, I'm telling you, it is just 
crumbling at the bottom. And then on top of that, the Lightning also haven't been that great. The Lightning, the Lightning have turned the to, been turning it around, though, of late. They've looked good in spurts. Uh, they, they've sort of, like, found it in, uh, in you know, spur, sporadic moments. I think that they're more likely to to figure it out than the Leafs are for sure. Agreed. Oh yeah, I mean they just put up nine on the on the Rangers the other night. They had four right. in the first like five minutes of the game or whatever that was. Um, but it's just surprising to sort of see the Atlantic Division just the oh, way sure. it's turned out to be. I mean, Jesus right. Christmas. I mean, seriously. And and, the, and what's happening with the fucking Leafs is unbelievable to me. And, and I mean, we can only laugh up here. I mean, this is, Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying it, but at the same time, <laughs> like I do love the, the Bruins Leafs rivalry. Like as much as I would, as much as it sounds great to avoid them in the first round, like, I look forward to that. I get it up for it. I love the rivalry. I love the chaos. I love just going at Toronto's throat. It's amazing to me. Um, but, I mean, if if it's not going to happen, I would absolutely prefer the Leafs to be a goddamn mess. So this is very, oh, very yes. enjoyable. <laughs> I, I would rather the Leafs be a complete disaster than them miss the playoffs by a point or they get in and don't play the Bruins or something along those lines where it's just not as exciting. Because if, if it's a disaster, as you said, it's funny and newsworthy and all that stuff. But if it's just like, if they're like mediocre, then it's kind of like, yeah. yeah. I would Whatever. love to, to do a poll and, and see like at this juncture, what fans think are is more likely to happen. A Bruins Leafs first round series or a Bruins Canadians first round series. Cause that could very well happen too. Like the Bruins could finish as uh, Atlantic division winners and they could get the, they could get the Canadians as the wild card there. That would be a great series. That because yeah. they have not played in a series since 2014. It'd well, the rivalry just like, is dead. It, it just seems it's dead, dead. Right now. Like there's no animosity there because they just don't really like play each other, and they they're not really that hateable at, at this point anymore. Like you, they still have Gallagher and, and Domi, but it's it's really not that hateable hateable of a team. But I also think that, it, that they haven't been very good. They were okay last year. We were right on the bubble. But like you haven't had that that rivalry. It's definitely been the Bruins and Leafs over the past couple of years. You mentioned like not having any polarizing stars, and it's like you know you have you have guys like Thomas Tatar, eh, okay, <laughs> nice. You know Philip Deneau, great, all right, mm-hmm. okay. You know Max Domi, Jonathan Druin. Like Domi's a little hateable, but Druin, okay, okay, great. Cast yeah, Domi's Domi's like he doesn't stir up shit to the degree that you would like from uh like one of your biggest rivals teams like he's not a matthew kachuk level shitster although i don't think anybody in the league is matthew kachuk is an unreal heel for the nhl um (laughs) but like he's not even a pk suban like pk suban didn't like actively seek out stirring up shit but he, it always happened it, it just like oh, yeah. he has that personality and like it just happened him and Marshand just went at it they clashed and and so that was like the rivalry that the, the those teams were like sort of built around um right now i i don't see who it would be but i guess you kind of have to let it play out and if they're both competitive maybe it just happens organically but looking at it from my perspective like there's not a guy in the least i absolutely hate on the Leafs or the Canadians? Or on the, on the, on the Canadians, sorry. Yeah. I, there's nobody I really care to hate, honestly. It's just like right. Shea Weber's 
fine. Like, okay, he's great, you know. He's just a respectful he's got a lot of injuries. <laughs> respected, has a hard slap shot, you know, right. solid, like, whatever, fine. But I think a, a playoff series between those two teams, the Bruins and the, and the Canadians, would reignite things. I think it yeah, would, absolutely. you know, you'd find guys to hate and you'd find guys to have be villains and heroes and stuff. And I think that would be a ton of fun. Um, Panthers, I really couldn't get up for. Bruins, Panthers, I mean, there's some exciting guys in the Panthers, but I said this on a recent podcast. I just, Florida just doesn't, they're boring. They're a boring team. That's exactly They're boring. There's there's no excitement around it. Like, I'm rooting for them. I think that 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 market could really use um, a a winning season and some success down there. And, you know, that that core that they have is really good, and they haven't really accomplished anything there. So I'm rooting for them. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're not an exciting team. They don't, uh, an atmosphere in sunrise, Florida doesn't really get me ramped up. (laughs) So like, it it would sort of be like a, like, it was hard for me to, to get super excited about the Bruins playing the Blue Jackets and the Blue Jackets have a much better crowd, uh, and home atmosphere than, than Florida does. Like the Blue Jackets arena is pretty solid. Yes. No. And they have the cannon, which is annoying, but it's right. still, I mean, it's still, you know, the fans are on top, all that stuff. So yeah, I just, Panthers don't really do it for me. The Blue Jackets didn't really either because they're not a team I'm typically used to seeing in the playoffs. And you know what? The Hurricanes didn't either. I'm not used to seeing the Hurricanes in the playoffs. The Hurricanes did it for me because it, like the Hurricanes were the darlings of the Eastern Conference. And it was cool to kind of just like, just step on their throats and be like, all right, you've had your time. It's, it's enough. And so that was, well, yeah. fun. and they were, they were an exciting team to watch too. Like they, they, they played a, an exciting style of hockey and their, their, their building was loud as hell. Oh yeah. But as Felger said, like you had your fun, you did your thing. <laughs> now let the, let the big boys actually go to the Stanley cup final. I mean, that's really what it was. Uh, Pete, thank you for everything. Uh, before you go, do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, same old stuff. Uh, brunch. We're, uh, we're ramping up the podcast a little bit. So, uh, if you want to listen to brunch.com, um, we're on iTunes, whatever, Stitcher and all those places, Google play that you can find your podcasts. Uh, and then my, all my writings is on, uh, cbssports.com. So, uh, yeah, that's about it. I will also plug your, please like my sport column. I love that. Oh, thank you very much. Great column. Always love to grow the NHL. And you had Kale McCarr as the, uh, as the main topic of your column last week. And Kale McCarr, UMass alum, just like myself. So, so be it. It's amazing to see what Kale's doing out in Colorado. The guy's just absolutely freaking Two great UMass defensemen. Look at this. If they ever <laughs> needed a defenseman, I got them. Anyways, yeah, Pete, always a pleasure. Um, thank you so much. And for CLNS Media, I'm Evan Marinovsky. You listeners, let me tell you something. You guys have a great rest of your week. Oh,